podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This summer, go to the movies. Projected on the side of a mountain. Discover a new favorite restaurant. Your campsite. Find yourself when you lose your signal. Discover a new playlist. Mother Nature. Make your summer special at the Kia Summer Sales Event with a dependable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Event N7523. I am Steve Parrish, and you are listening to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Christmas podcast. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas to all our listeners. Uh, well, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Merry nearly Christmas. Other holiday before. occasions are available. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Merry Christmas, uh, um, or yeah, whatever whatever you're into. Anyway, welcome to the FYP Christmas podcast. Whatever you're into, what's what bring? Well, people that might not be celebrating Christmas, but people that might be... Other denominations that are, you know, oh, not celebrating Christmas. So, happy, as Street said, happy holidays. No, with that, with that limp and PC and God in that <laughs> podcast that we have to just cover all bases. I think that's fair enough. Happy holidays! Well, happy holidays. Hey, anybody who says happy holidays can do one. And okay. B, whatever you're into doesn't... You know, <laughs> that, that was the wrong it, phrase. Yeah, basically. Okay. If you say we're, we're aware that there are many other ways of worshipping God, whatever yeah. you're into... Whatever you're in, yeah, that did that did sound that did sound a bit weird. Anyway, welcome to the FYP Christmas slash holiday slash festive podcast. I'm Jim Daly. I've got Kevin Day. Christmas, it's Christmas. Okay, we've hello, got hello everybody. Christmas Day. Um, Kev, uh, what's, what's your name? James Endicott. James Endicott. James Endicott. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. And uh, Annie Street. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Um, God bless us, everyone. Are you guys feeling on that side of the table? Are you feeling festive? I'm, I'm always feeling festive, but I, he doesn't like me to call him that. But I love Christmas. Christmas is in my heart all year round. Good. I'm always feeling. Is the correct answer? Yeah. Well done, James. And I'm sitting next to yes. the ginger Santa. Yes. Ginger Santa <laughs> the Viking gold Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm feeling rather festive. Um, feel a little bit. Um, I feel as I need to wake up. Okay. Apart from that, I'm fine. Good. I've got a cup of coffee in front of me, so watch out when, I, when the caffeine kicks in. That's a good start. Um, Andy, are you feeling for once a bit festive? No, absolutely not. I've done good. my shopping, though, early. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to do a 450-mile round trip, the joy of Christmas. Well, that's... I'm going to Yorkshire, you see. It's not yeah, even you, a... choo- you choose that. Yeah. Well, you yeah. can also put your foot down. And there is one man who's got a much longer journey on Christmas Eve, so, What's you know, Santa? exactly, there oh, yeah, you go. Okay. Good. Um, let's crack on then with uh, talking about Palace, because it, 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 it's a very festively successful period for Palace at the moment, because we are joint fourth in the table. Well, we're not really, at, we're sixth. We're sixth, <laughs> but we're joint fourth on points. Well, no, we're not, because they've got more goals than us. <laughs> Fine, we're sixth yeah, in the table. Season ago, that team's got more goals than us, but we're sort of joint fourth. Can we have an extra £2 million Premier League? Because they go, no, you can't have an extra £2 million. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. He really yeah. is. He's really, really... Merry Christmas, Streety. Uh, you're welcome. He is technically right, though. He's technically right, but he's also yes, technically very, very if we're boring. Gonna, we're going Christmas. Thank you. Um, 
Christmas Christmas is about, about being festive and positive. So if we're being festive and positive, then we go with Palace being fourth, okay. which is yeah, ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, because we won two one at Stoke. Guess every newspaper this morning was incorrect. Then. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. God, Ben, it's strange. We're on equal points with the team in fourth. <laughs> it's not that difficult to grasp. Yeah, but which, just, which one of us is trying to be a lawyer again? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the boring pedantic <laughs> one. Yeah. How dare yeah. you? Um, two one win at Stoke. Uh, fantastic goal from Kyung Young Lee to win it. Yes, yes, um, very good. But my question to you guys now is: Is are we being as we're joint fourth slash sixth at Christmas? Are we serious <laughs> European contenders? Well, according to Martin Keogh, I mentioned the day two last night, we're title contenders because he insisted on including us in the list of teams that were possible. And title that must be the first time anyone has ever said. Well, actually, you know what? I, actually, contenders. I mean, his logic was right because they showed five teams with the, with the bookies odds, and he said, "Well, you have to include Palace in that because they've got the same points um, as Man United and Tottenham." So Which know. would put them joint fourth. And I was actually that's a good point. Yeah. Or we would put them in or sixth, sixth or yeah, goal yeah. difference. Yeah. Um, well, BBC obviously made a mistake because they had us in sixth. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I was actually genuinely, um, you know, bearing in mind that Christmas Bailey's had been taken. I was actually, I got quite enthusiastic and emotional about the fact that we were mentioned as title contenders but uh, the question about Europe I think it's really interesting that the club are to, are bigging it up then there's no sort of false modesty there's no you know Parish and Pardew are saying there's no reason why we can't finish in this position and, and, and aim for Europe so it's 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 great to be in a situation where everyone has that ambition. It's a crazy season, isn't it, with Leicester top and Watford just behind us so if, if there's any season that Palace can finish top six this this is surely it well, until, like until, until the future, I mean, <laughs> I mean, because it doesn't. We've said this before. It doesn't feel like it's. A, it doesn't feel like. I think Watford fans would probably say, "This is a one-off bonus, and mm. perhaps next season we might be struggling again." I don't know, but this doesn't feel like it's a one-off. Bonus I, for us. It feels like this, we're on a, the start of something big. I do. I agree with Kevin. I think if you're a Chelsea fan, it feels a bit of a weird season. Yeah. If you're a Leicester fan, it maybe feels a little bit odd being top at Christmas. If you're a Watford fan, it feels odd being a Palace fan. It just feels like the natural extension of the last two or three, five years. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Yes, of course, we are sixth, and it's a bit mental, but. We have finished in the top ten the last two seasons. We have, but I don't think when we start yeah. the season we were saying this is the season we've got to push on. It'd be great to get. And we are pushing on. Yeah, but yeah. not to this extent. I think anyone would have expected this. Sure, I don't. I don't. No, I don't. I mean, we start the season. We all do. We pay lip service to the. You know, let's get to forty points. Let's finish seventeenth in the table. And I don't think any of us fully believe that. But I don't think I, I didn't think we'd be where we are at this time. No, no, but, I didn't all, but also the, the thing is deserving. So the thing is you have to say about. Leicester as well, much as I don't like them, they deserve it. And it's not showing any signs of flagging. And what's interesting as well is I think one journalist pointed out on the weekend, Palace and Leicester are teams that want to win games. It's, they're almost like their attitude is a point's not, you know, might as well not get a point. Let's try and win it or get no points. Yeah. And, you know, we've won a lot more games. There was a shot. drawn two, three notes. And I, think it's, I think that's really interesting we try and win games. Well, there's something Palace, common between two of them as well, isn't it? Just that sort of directness. They do it in a slightly different way. But yeah. there's that willingness to get it forward to the front as quickly as possible and to you know, try and attack a bit that we do down the flanks and they do it sort of in the channel of the last man mm. and play sort of Vardy just playing right yeah, the line. It's, but it's, not, it's not possession for the sake of it. And, but also what's interesting is that Palace of old, once Stoke equalised on Saturday... Mm. Palace <coughs> managers, fans, happy with the draw, would have been, yeah, yeah, would have, yeah, and would have played absolutely. for a draw, and would have tried to shut up shop, and more likely would have conceded another. But goal, would have also been, been happy with the draw. Oh well, no, absolutely, really no, happy no, with no, it. No, not like, absolutely. oh, I wish we'd gone for it. Absolutely. But whereas these days, it's just like, well, let's just go. And that's what Alan Pardew said when he came in. Yeah. He, he said, you know, well, I'm going to play. 
Cavaliers, swashbuckling, for whatever phrase you use, you know, meaning Ma- maverick. Meaning maverick. Yeah. We, we, we're going to win or we're going to lose. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And yeah. he's proved it. By the well, fact when the corner winning. came in that led to the goal, we had Delaney and Dan were both up there. It was yeah. the 88th minute, so we're yeah, still yeah. going for it. Um, well, the break that led to the goal as well. I mean, it was, it was you know... Yeah, the ball, the ball to the dummy by um, McArthur was it? Yeah, and, and then run. Yannick, and then Yannick of, doing, yeah, which exactly. is great. But again, in years gone by, you know, Pulis would have done his nut if we'd done that. Yeah. Pulis would have said, "Just hold the ball where it is, mm. take it to the corner." Yeah, yeah. which you're um, seeing at West Brom at the moment. That's exactly how they're, they're well, playing. Pulis, yeah, the thing with Pulis is he keeps he, you stay up, and then he keeps you up again next season. Yeah, exactly. That's what you said before. Whereas Pardew's we're, trying to take so us on, but that and, and also I thought it was really not patronising the Pardew, but you have to be. A good team. This sounds odd, but you have to be a good team before you can admit that you were lucky to get a, to get the win. Yes, which we were. Which well, we, let's be yeah, honest. We were. But having said that, how many times has it, has it happened to us? So I don't give a stuff. Yeah. Also, <laughs> is another cliche, but again, we don't get to say it often. That's a goal that deserved to win. Absolutely. The game. I did enjoy Mark Hughes's uh, interview after the game. Going, that's two seasons in a row. Well, perhaps there's a pattern there, Mark. Yeah. Your team is not able to put away games. <laughs> maybe, well, maybe if you work on that, then you won't be whinging about uh, not not getting the points that you deserve. But also, I think as we as we predicted, they set up in a completely different way. Of get, they took Man City apart the last home game, and they didn't set up anywhere near as attacking formation as they did against us. And we we beat a team that took Man City apart. So. Yeah, and, and we were the first team to score against them since the end of September yeah. and, and first time Shawcross has conceded while well playing for them this season yeah. and, and we've got a player who's on the fringes of our squad who had the ability and the technique to score that goal which was and again Hennessy for the third or fourth game running yeah. man of the match stepped up and, and in I'd, fact I'd, we had a, yeah. um, speaking of Hennessy I, that's really, I want to definitely talk about him because there's a, a question about him I'm going to plop it in here because there's loads of questions for later on um, from Chris Emanuel hi Chris, oh, hi, Chris. Um, who, I, who I met on Saturday great and he's a very nice guy great name for Christmas as well perfect name for the Christmas yeah. pod really made some good films as well in the 70s he's <laughs> got Chris and Emmanuel so yeah. Yeah, um, and he says after Hennessy's fantastic performance on Saturday is it now the time that Andy Street will eat a great serving of humble pie well you don't get a figure like this by eating a lot of pie do you no mm. Thanks, Chris. That's, that's uh, great, I, great lawyer's answer, that, isn't oh, he? Answer, answer another question. He's so completely. weird today, isn't he? So weird. He was fantastic, though, wasn't he? He, um... It's interesting, because, obviously, as you know, I read a lot of these sort of stats and analytics guys, and a few of them have been um, still very critical of, of Wayne Hennessy, and I, I think it's an interesting one. I think, sort of, six weeks ago, I was ready to sort of criticise him fairly readily, because there were lots of sort of hesitancy in his game, and there were times when his handling wasn't quite as sharp as it should be, but don't I forget, think since don't then... Don't forget his starting position. In his starting position. <laughs> starting position. <laughs> starting position. <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, his starting position in between the posts. Post, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was half his problem. <laughs> so, yeah. His starting position yeah. was between the posts, and his ending position was between the posts. No, he's improved massively, I think, in the last sort of six weeks, and he's growing into the role. So I was quite surprised. All about confidence, isn't it, Street? It's all about confidence. It's all about confidence. He's one too good to say. Well, he's well, now well, got uh, confidence growing into his centre back. Growing into the position. I think, I think, that too, I think yeah. the Southampton game put most waverers to bed because of those two saves. The first one, the one from the header, was I thought a better save than the one from Lawrence. Yeah, but I agree. I think the only slightly worrying thing is that for the cause for the first time this season he's had to he's had saves to make because oddly he had a sort of period of ten games where our defence was so strong that albeit I know your your stat last week about shots but he didn't he wasn't put in a situation that Julian used to be where he was having to make save after save and in the last couple of games he has had so which I don't think indicates any failing on the defence but it's it's 
I hope it's not a pattern. But it's I don't more wanna... like ended the way the way we the way we're playing. Yeah, but we're I don't want to see. Him, I don't want to get to a situation again where, as every week, you could predict that Julian was going to be man of the match. I yeah. don't want to see Wayne being man of the match every week. Yeah. The thing but is, I as think well, he's, number, he's, he's definitely a number one keeper. Yeah. You can't argue with. Well, he is, but I think in the same way that you know, I thought it was a little bit foolish to write. Uh, McCarthy off so quickly and so early I think it's a little bit you know early to go well Wayne Hennessy is going to be Palace number one for God knows how long and for years and years and years I think he's doing well at the moment and it's great to see and he's starting to prove people wrong but you know let's see if he can do that for another six weeks for six months for, well, for a season think, and a half I think we... you're arguing for argument's sake cause you I'm know, not arguing for argument's sake <laughs> you're right because you're being yeah, a lawyer. No, oh yes you are <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to spin the argument out because you get paid by the minute you people <laughs> But well, you, you could wait say that. You see the Bill Fish but you, could say, you could say that about any Palace player. You could say, "Well, let's wait for four years to until we judge whether Kelly is going to be a brilliant player." Or, yeah. or well, no, sorry, but Hennessy's or... Hennessy has had a run of what seven or eight games now. Yeah, you could say Delaney's had a run of two lucky seasons. So let's yeah, let's Three not judge seasons. him. Let's not judge him until he's had five lucky seasons. So I mean, okay, right. We'll we'll judge Wayne Hennessy based on the first ten minutes against Bournemouth, and if he's good, then we'll say, "Fine, he's going to be great for the foreseeable future." Yeah, if he's that. terrible, have you got a hangover, Andy? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had, the thing had. about the last few games that Hennessy has been fantastic is that he hasn't been man of the match by distance because there's always been at least a couple of other players that have run him close. Always there's MacArthur or Wickham last couple of games. So it's not like he's the only player that's doing anything for us. There are other players oh, yeah, yeah, that are no, playing and, as well. And, and actually, I'm going to contradict myself here because actually the Southampton game, he only really had two saves to make didn't it to be fair and I thought the, one of them was amazing so oh, no both, no, both were, but both I thought, the, first, I thought yeah. the one from the header was a better save yeah. because yeah. He, cause again Andy will see this as a criticism of him his weight was on his left foot and he had to readjust oh, no. so, but the, the thing about the save <laughs> not his weight again. but the thing about the save the thing about the save it's shocking, isn't it? I know. I, I'm just, but the thing about the second save was just drop him. It's rubbish. <laughs> Too much weight on the left foot yeah. for me. Just drop him. Exactly. I'm just yeah. rubbish. I agree with you. In fact, I agree with Streety. Yeah, I agree with Streety. I, I don't know why Jim Daly's so. I don't even know why we're so here. Up his arse. It's just, I don't know. just just for parity. But the second save was was great because it was late in the game and he hadn't had a lot to do yeah. in 10, 15 minutes before that. So, but I don't. Think, there's no. He is our number he's one number keeper. One. As simple yeah. as that. And Pardew sees him as our number one keeper. And yeah. And, and I think for the moment there's nothing to worry I about I think we'll bring in another goalkeeper in the next uh, season do you? yeah I think we will really? I, but you really... love McCarthy so why would you bring in another goalkeeper in if McCarthy because I'm not the genius? Palace manager <laughs> well, well thank well, so, that, so Jules will be Jules will be I think Jules sent will upstairs or something Jules will be put in the cupboard like you said a few weeks back and then he likes having three first choice goalkeepers or close to first choice goalkeepers um, McCarthy hasn't you know had a great start to life at Palace um, I didn't think he was that bad. He made a few mistakes, but I thought, far from that, he was. Yeah, the problem is the crowd got his back a little bit. Totally, his mistakes were costing. They goals, were, is, yeah, is the, they is were. the problem. <laughs> in the same way that Jules in his first spell at Palace, yeah, yeah, his mistakes. No, were I get, I understand that, I understand that. But I actually thought he wasn't playing yeah. badly no. at all. But, I mean, if if the club does want to become a top six club, and I'm not saying whether they should or whether they do, but I think they'll need an upgrade on both of those goalkeepers. Neither of those goalkeepers is a top six Premier League goalkeeper. What the two reserve keepers? I think that's harsh. Uh, Hennessy or McCarthy? I don't think either of them. If you looked at them, you'd well, say Spironi, they're top. Spironi is. Well, I, I we doubt Spironi like, played I doubt like a top six keeper last. Yeah. His form definitely was. Yeah. I think Hennessy could be like I do. I mean, who, who else are a top six? Is Jack Butland a top six keeper? Yes. Is, is Hennessy? Yeah, Butland. Butland. Yes, yes, yeah. He's been Butland. one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League this season. It's only Butland and Hart that you would Hart, say. Yeah, oh. I don't think there are, there are many others. De Gea, I guess. De Gea. Yeah, De Gea. I suppose they're okay at goalkeeping. 
Yeah, well, well, yeah, but McCarthy had better. McCarthy before he was dropped had better stats than that, that all those guy. He, I suppose he might make something in McCarthy the game. McCarthy had made more saves than yeah. all of them. Yeah, De Gea made mistakes against Norwich on yeah, exactly. Saturday. Checks me making mistakes. I mean, Hennessy's not world class, but he's a good, he's yeah. a decent Premier League. Perfectly fine for where we are now. Are we talking about? Wayne Hennessy in the same breath as De Gea here, guys. Because he's a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, you started it. Well, no, that's because I said you shouldn't be talking about him in the same breath. But his form over the last few games would suggest that we should... Do. Why not? He's been really good. He's, been yeah, really let's not he's made World Cup saves. Let's not make us vote on this. Street is wrong. And we are right. <laughs> the rest of us are right. Can we move on? Should we just part that I don't even know what my line of honour is anymore. <laughs> you don't have a line <laughs> of honour. Listen, if we are talking about world-class players, all right, let's talk about one that definitely is world-class because Palace won on Saturday for the first time, well, played for the first time without... Johan Kabay. Yeah. And we were talking about Leicester earlier and saying how, how great they're doing. But I think if with Leicester, if you take out Mares and Vardy or one of those, I think they would, or definitely both, they would struggle. But on Saturday, we proved that we can win without Johan. Well, you say that, and I get everybody would have thought that we would struggle without Kabay. So maybe yeah. they wouldn't struggle without Mares or Vardy. Oh, you know, you started it. <laughs> Caught street disease now. Look, okay, look. but it was, it was a big statement to Could win. Could somebody without. just answer the question that's asked them? What was the question again? <laughs> well, it wasn't really what a question. It? it was Was it a massive statement to to win without Johan? And is it proof that there are still roles I mean, for Ledley and Jednat to play? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult question to answer because you don't know what the outcome would have been. But I think it, if if you're going to pick a game for uh, Ledley to come into, then Stoke away would be the ideal. The ideal game. If if you're at home to a, a team you'd expect to beat, then that you want a bit more creative flair than possibly not. But I think, I think yeah, it proves that we still have that core of resilience that we had in the, in under Pulis for a start off. That we go to a difficult ground and let's be fair, grind out a two-one win. Yeah. And whether Kabai would have made a difference to that creatively, I don't know. But he's. I mean, his range of passing was definitely missed on yeah. on Saturday. Without, yeah. There were periods where we didn't really, we could have hung on to the ball a bit, bit longer, and we didn't. Yeah, that's, what, that it, that's what it gives you. And also, yeah. he, they do. You can see they do look to him under periods of pressure to, for that sort of calmness, mm. and he talks to them all the time. So, but no, it's a great. It's it's fantastic that we've got that result without without Kabai and that Wickham. It gave Wickham the chance to step up and take the penalty, which mm-hmm. he took really well. And I was really pleased to see Wickham's response because it. Obviously meant a lot to him. Yeah, it meant, and also yeah. to the, and also to the rest of the team as yeah. well. Yeah. When he was going yeah, off at half time, he was like waving to the Palace yeah, fans, wasn't he? Yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. which was yeah. as, as much as it meant for him. It was really yeah. great to see everybody willing him. Yeah, the fans as well loved it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, I think the fans are really taken to Wickham because they recognise he's a worker. He's, well, he's not just a worker though. He's like mm. he's not just a worker like Cameron Jerome was a worker. He's a worker that really brings other people into the game, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's got. He's not just occupying centre backs like Jerome used to do for a lot of time. He's actually, you know, he's he's going to create a lot of goals. He's, I don't think any of us are expecting to score twenty goals a season, no. but no. And he's got a much. I I I really really underrated it because I just thought he was a big cart horse. So he's got a much much better touch than mm. I thought he had, and he's yeah. much more mobile than I thought he was as well. So. Um, like when Palace came up a couple of years ago and started this season, we were all saying. We want to we want to emulate teams like Stoke that have maximised and done well. Emulate teams like Southampton. We've now beaten Southampton and Stoke last two games. Are we are we at their level now? I think we're at their level. I think we probably shouldn't get too carried away because I mean in both games you're talking about very fine margins against 
Southampton, even in that game, which we were excellent in. You know, if they if they equalise at the end with a very, very, very clear cut opportunity, you go away going, well, it's a point at stake. Arguably, they should have won. I think we're now performing at a level where we're, we're sort of befitting of being at the same level in the league as them. Ultimately, we've got a good squad now, yeah, but, but they're, 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 they are decent teams as well. So you shouldn't, you know, say, well, we've moved beyond that because we've got to sixth by Christmas, etc. I would refer you to a, a blog by uh, a friend of FYP called Harry Howes. He wrote this week for Dartford Chopper or something. It's on. It's right, online. Dartford really, Chopper. It really, Dartford it, Chopper. I mean, it's Dartford. It, it really. It was picked <laughs> up. It, it, was picked, it was picked up by Stoke fans who uh, were furious about it. Um, but basically, he's talking about because it, it was very funny and slightly exaggerated about Stoke still being a boring team and a rest home for old people. And, <laughs> uh, the fact that if you if you order a prosecco in Tiger Tiger, it doesn't make you classy. Just, <laughs> <laughs> That's which is, brilliant. This is very funny, but um, I think the interesting thing is that Southampton and Stoke <laughs> see us as at their level now, yeah, and other people right. certainly perceive. I mean, I, I think your Hennessy point is probably Jermaine here that you have to ask that question again in two years' time in terms of infrastructure yeah. and players coming in. But I think if if you were to say to a start of the season, would you would you settle for being the tenth place mid table team? You go, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, and I. I'm getting to the stage where I, I genuinely don't think this is a fluke anymore, and that you think I've, I think we probably will be born for Swansea. It's like I, I, I hate saying it, mm. but I'm getting to the stage where well, we you know are, what, Kevin, we are a good side. We're a it, good side. It could be disappointing if we don't if beat Bournemouth and Swansea uh, over the yeah, next two games. Yeah. I think that's what we're trying to say. Yeah. It'll be disappointing if we don't get six points in the next two games. Yeah, I'll talk about the, this later. I, but I, yeah. thought, I thought the performance against Southampton, and again, Harry said this in the blog. I thought for me um, that was more important than the Newcastle performance because again it's like the Everton point the away from home it's a grown up yeah. performance against a good side you know, a side with really good players who played good football I know they're in a bit of a rut but that was a proper Premier League performance for me and that's the sort of game we would never expect to win they've, they've beaten us seven times on the yeah. spin in the league that sort of thing is normally important and, and we deserve to beat them I don't care what Cuban said we deserve to beat them yep and we 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 were better than them all over the pitch. So that's it's just there is there is something happening here. It's not a flip anymore. It's, it's not fun. like a cup run anymore. It's just we're a, yeah. a competent Premier League side that no one no one really wants to play. Yeah, and we're capable of beating. And I know the top four aren't as good this season, but we're capable of beating anyone. It's funny you say growing up because that literally was my next question. Was literally literally, literally my next question. Judging by the you know the performance away at Everton, where we we were probably second best, but got up a point. Performance away Stoke. Have we? It feels like we've matured. Like this, this team. Well, has this is a team up. that, if you look at the average age, it's it's not a young team really. There's a lot of 29 year olds in yeah. there. You've got you know a couple of 30 year olds in there as well. It's it's a team that, and the, the club will be fully aware of the fact that 29 year olds can quite often decline a little bit very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly a team that looks like it's at the sort of peak of its abilities, and it's great to see. Particularly you know the likes of MacArthur and Punch, and they they look like mature footballers who. Uh, not necessarily long in the tooth, but are mature enough to play in a responsible way and to sort of bring the best out of the team around them. So, yes, yeah, I, I think grown-ups are a very good way of describing them. Yeah, also, yeah. and I don't want to tempt fate here, but what you don't see anymore at Palace, you don't see the rush of blood to the head, you don't see the bad tackle, apart from, well, Gale is the one exception this year, but for the most part, you don't see Palace players going to the ground, you don't see, you know, Punchins keeping his, his temper, the defenders are not giving away stupid fouls. It is a... A problem, and obviously there's a lot of confidence comes from Pardew and from results but we're a decent Premier League side and it's, I, I can't say it enough because I really enjoy saying it but it's because 
we just haven't ever been. Yeah, we've we've always struggled in the Premier League. We've always looked like we'd stay up one season, and mm. and now you know next season we'll be we'll be there fifth or sixth in the betting, which is always and. Yeah, probably the squad, the team, two years' time will be virtually unrecognisable, and that'll be a shame. But you know, things happen, things develop. Mm. At the moment, it's just six going into Christmas in the Premier League. It's after, crazy. After all those t- all those years when you know when we were seventeenth in the Championship, or yeah. you know, or maybe hopeful about getting in the playoffs, and it's just like that's oh, just fantastic. So I'm not at home to Mister Street and his goalkeeping negativity <laughs> I wasn't being negative I said that Wayne Ellis has started the season very well and he's already confounded my expectations of where I thought he would be Whoa. let's see how he develops over What's the next few months look? that's a great lawyer isn't it? he's argued for he's very good he's that's argued fine. for the prosecution <laughs> and the defence in the same one one sentence wow he's good I'm acting on both sides you're getting two invoices from me for today it's almost, it is almost like um, it is almost like Palace have sort of given us an early Christmas present hasn't it With the form of this season so I tweeted yeah. on Saturday it's one of those glorious days when you know we won with a fantastic goal. Charlton, Millwall, Brighton, they all got spanked, didn't all, they? Yeah. All lost by many goals. It's like mm. thank you, Santa. There's no need to visit my house. <laughs> exactly. Christmas, Christmas arrived a week early. It's fine. I've been a good boy this year. Obviously, it's like, it doesn't happen. It's, that often it doesn't happen. happen. And, you know, and it's just the fact that Millwall, Brighton, Charlton fans will just be so cross when they switched the tellies on. I went into their pub and saw that Palace had equalised. And then uh, Palace had scored the winner. Mm. Like, it's, yeah, uh, the just enjoy it while it lasts. It's, we are, you know. I think the argument about South London's number one has long been settled. Oh, my yeah. word. Yeah. Oh, not, so, even in, not even yeah, up yeah. to the pub of debate. And also, hats off to Millwall fans for taunting the uh, Gillingham player about losing his nan. Did they? He's Mark Wright's brother, who plays for Mark Wright from Towie, who plays for Gillingham. And, you know, the, the nana, who's famous in Towie, died last week. We all found it was hilarious for 90 minutes to chant things like, Where's your nana gone? It's not very, it's not very Christmassy at all. No, it's not no, very it's in the Christmas spirit. Expect, it's what we come to expect from them. So. Well, let's be honest if you spend every other Saturday at the new day, then you're probably going to take your entertainment where you can. That's true. That's right. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're 3 0 down to Gillingham. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was hoping to. Down... 3 0 down to Gillingham. Gillingham are having a good season, to be fair. Yeah, they're Gillingham. We're talking about Millwall and Charlton. Anyway, I was hoping to end part one on a festive. No, oh, 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 oh. that sort of went that nosedive when we mentioned the middle thing. But that's fine. We, we, we are going to end part one there. Um, in part two, um, which I forgot to mention at the top of the pod. In fact, I also forgot to mention our sponsors. You forgot I'll, to mention there was a part two. Yeah. I'll, I should yeah. probably mention our sponsors. Yeah, you should ah, they, they know yeah, who they are. They know who they are. Um, it's well, I will do. Print and embroidery company. That's Vector with us. Okay. Yeah, there we go. And JCIS, who got us very drunk last week. Oh, how did that yeah. go, by the way? John, John's a lovely man. He's got yeah, a mashup of a South African, Irish, and South London accent, which is Whoa. quite a Whoa. joy to behold. Wow. And a very nice guy indeed. Does branding consultancy stuff. So if you've got a business that needs branding consultancy services, get in contact with John and he'll buy you a Guinness. I don't yeah. know if he will or not, but he bought me one. Worldwide More branding than one. from South London. That's, that's the one. Worldwide yeah. and from South London. Yeah. Fantastic. Great, isn't it? Yeah. Good. Um, and well, also, part two as well, and I forgot to mention this at the top, is we've got a very special guest because Steve Parrish. The Ooh. Palace chairman. I'm there, Tony. Oh, yeah. Real. <laughs> Quick, go and, go and Hoover. Um, Get dressed quickly. It's going to be joining us. In fact, it's going to be joining us right now because we're going to end part one there. And in part two, we're going to be talking to Steve about all things Palace. So join us in a bit. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast, and it's time for our very special guest indeed. Um, becoming an annual tradition now to have you on, so it's the Santa Claus of the FYP Christmas podcast. It's Palace Chairman Steve Parrish. How you doing? Afternoon, boys. Very good. Thank How you. How are you? Very good. Yeah, good. But you know, 
There's been a lot of work over the last few weeks, so I'm probably looking forward to, like everybody, looking forward to a bit of a break. Are you feeling festive? Uh, I am actually, yeah. I'm finally, in between meetings, I'm getting around to doing some Christmas stuff. Just been with the kids in Selfridges, trying to get some Christmas bits and bobs. My sister's coming over from Canada on Boxing Day. So, yeah, no, starting to really look forward to it. But we don't get much in football, do we? We get one day and then straight down to Bournemouth on Boxing Day. Exactly. Obviously, the players, you know, I think they're getting a Christmas lunch. And then they're off down there in the evening. So, you know, it's a great career, but it's a tough period for them. This is the busiest part of the part of the season. Yeah. And could crucially be quite an important one for Palace, really, given how well we've done. I mean, last time you came on was last Christmas, just before that Southampton game, which turned out to be Neil Warnock's last game. Yeah. Fair to say things were struggling a little bit at the time. Yeah. Fast forward a year to now, did you did you think we'd be doing so much better right now? Looking back a year ago. <clears throat> um well, six in the league, I guess. I've always thought that it's possible to do better than we've done in the division if we put a whole season together rather than, you know, half at the end, which is what we've done so far largely. Although things were going reasonably well with Neil until we sort of took a big dip. Um, I mean, it was great of him to step in and, and do what he did. We both knew it would be a short-term appointment. Um, but yeah, once we got Alan, you know, you can see the optimism and, and the crowd that we've got and just the togetherness. I mean, we had the Christmas party last night. Definitely the best one, you know, we've ever had. You know, just the togetherness of the club, you know, he's, 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 and the fans and everybody is just fantastic. So whenever you're like that, you can achieve great things. And, and, you know, at the moment we're doing very well. But obviously, difficult period. We need to push on through Christmas and see where it takes us. What is, what is the secret to how well we've done over the last year on and off the pitch obviously the manager's been you know instrumental in everything you know the manager's very much somebody that that I think you know he thinks like me in 90% of things then obviously he takes that philosophy into football you know I like to think if I had the the knowledge to do it and the the badges and all that, that you know that's how I'd manage a football club you know and whenever I the comments after the game and they're just always spot on for me and I think the players buy into that also he's just a really positive person you know he's a really you know the way you see him is how he is you know he's really positive with the players with the people around him with the staff he helps me with every aspect of the football club um, you know the, the the banter at the training ground they had a game yesterday with the academy staff against the first team staff which a film will go up of um we saw the result. We saw who won. Yeah, listen, they had like Paul McVeigh in midfield and, and Darren Powell and, and Richard Shaw at centre back playing against the club secretary's assistant. <laughs> yeah, he was a good little player, you know. But so, um, but you know, it just creates and engenders and, and continues to engender that good atmosphere. That's all I ever wanted at the club, really, you know. And, and of course, we've got a great group of players. You know, Alan will be the first person to tell you that. You know, we've got a great group of players with a great mentality and a great spirit and a great attitude. And in this league, you know, you can't... I can't tell you how important that is. You mm. know, you can you can have... You know, I, I wouldn't think that my group or our group of players would, would tell you they're the most... You know, the most talented. They're talent. You know, they're not the most talented in the division as a group of players. But I think in other teams, some of that talent dissipates because... 
you know, they're just not maybe the harmony, you know. So that's one of the things the manager's been brilliant at engendering and keeping going and, and, and looking into. And then just being a manager, his decision-making process, his teams he selects, the tactics, the knowledge, experience he's built up. He uses it every game, you know, and... Um, He's, you know, that's in the last year. That is, we've galvanised um, what we are, the parts that we are, and we've become. You know, what do you want a manager to do? You want him to, you want him to make your team more than the sum of its parts, don't you? That's what you want a manager to do. And and obviously, in the last year, anybody can see that that's been done. And you know, I'm, I'm I was very happy then that we were able to get him, and I'm still very happy now that we've got him. I feel a bit like. Um this is uh, you're a massive fan of that 1991 team that was so successful for Palace it feel a bit like this this 2015 team is kind of the 91 team for the next generation it feels like it's got that kind of element that togetherness and that ability isn't it yeah and if, there, if there's one thing you know that's what I wanted you know when I started you know I, I, I'm sure you can find tapes where you know to, to have a team that's doing this well playing with an identity that is Palace is Fantastic, you know, we we haven't become something we're not. There's real integrity in there, and finding a manager that fits, you know, I think this is the thing that you need to do with managers. In the end, that I've learned, you know, you just need to find a manager that fits the philosophy and the spirit and the thing of the club and fits with you. So, you know, that's what we've done. And Alan was the first to come out, wasn't he, after one of the games and say that was like watching a Steve Coppel side. You know, I'm so proud of it, and mm. um, it's great. Obviously what we want to do is keep pushing the quality forward on that you know and, and getting better and um, Alan and I you know Alan's expressed to me where he thinks that is and you know it's my job to work with him to try and you know give him the wherewithal to make those tweaks either in January if we see an opportunity or in the summer Speaking of moving things forward we've had the investment confirmed from uh, Josh Harris and David Blitzer have they indicated to you what it was about the club that made them Interested because I mean, surely they could have taken over plenty of other clubs in the Premier League. But what, what made them want to invest in Palace? Well, I think that we do have a brand, if you like, you know, that resonates with Americans because of the red and blue and the eagle and stuff like that. But I think, to be honest, once once they started talking to us, like me, they could see the potential of the club. I mean, somebody said to me the other day, oh, you've done a fantastic job, blah, 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 last five years. And I said, oh, yeah, but it was there to be done. Do you know what I mean? You're not, it was there to be done. Always you know? felt like it was, it was sort of nearly there with Palace, isn't it? Uh, from all my life. Yeah. You know, it, so it, the job was there to be done. It, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like maybe buying some other clubs where, you know, you really are reaching to think that, that where we are today is possible. Um, so now obviously that gives me a great track record I've learnt more about it than I knew when I came in um, and then when I was speaking to the guys I kind of impressed upon them that there's still more to be done you know there's still there's room to run into you know there isn't we, we've not run out of the things that we can do fairly easily you know that, that low hanging fruit expression Um so they were enthused by that because if you want to get involved with things, you want to get involved with things that you can make better and grow and, and make successful. So, and then I think over a period of time, 
you know, listen, a lot of people talk about what private equity people do and, you know, one of the things that private equity guys do really well is they find people that they can work with. You know, they, they spread their risk across many, many businesses and they don't, they know they can't run every single one. They, they know good people and they try and get good management. So I like to think they looked at this club and, and they thought, well, that's kind of all right, that, you know. Now there's things that we can improve on. You know, we're already talking to their people about how we, you know, grow our American fan base and they've got property experts, you know, and, and, and all that kind of thing. So there's loads of stuff that they can bring, but I think they thought that the basic core of the decision-making process was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So um, actually, in a way, it's kind of harder. You know, if you go and buy another club and everybody goes and you've got to put something in, you, know, you are really sort of starting again. So... I think it, and we got to know each other. It just felt right. We get on. They're really good guys. They're real, really good to be around. They're, they're, if I can say this, they're not what you'd think. You know, you, you, you kind of stereotypical American billionaires like mm. you know. Well, there's, there's, which some we've seen in English football, haven't we? There's been some that's yeah. really worked out. I mean, David's lived in London for ten years. You know, David Blitz is um, very Anglophile guy loves it here you know he's here with his wife for 10 years and and i think some of his kids early years were here as well so um josh has a big office here you know they're 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 far more worldly than sometimes americans are frankly you know sometimes there's so much to do in america that many of them spend that much time out of it do they? but these guys are really well traveled you know asia and India and you know all over the world and bought businesses all over the world so they're they're, they're real they're, you know they're smart they're worldly they're good fun um, I think once they started looking at Palace kind of it's London right I mean let's not kid ourselves like you know you can get in and out fairly quickly and do something while you're here that's quite enjoyable not denigrating other places but you know there's more to do so that's a mistake it's the best city in the world Certainly well, in England. Uh, personally, yeah. I think it is. New York's pretty close. I like it there. That was the other thing we haven't discussed about the deal. Really good excuse for me to go to New York. <laughs> well, there you go. That was probably the main reason <laughs> I did it. So, uh, no, but listen, I'm, I'm. you can only make the best and most informed decision you can make. I spent a lot of time with a lot of other people as well, remember, you know, that we, some of whom we really wouldn't want, you know, to have involved with a football club. Or, or some of whom are nice guys are just going to make so many mistakes when they first come in and we've seen that you know they're, they're all smart you know people who've made money they're typically smart they'll get there it's not like they won't get there and work it out it's just why bother going backwards you know once you go backwards in football it's so hard to get that momentum back again um, so you know it's, I think it's a really positive development and you know now two days or three days on I guess my thing is I've got to make it work they speak, spoke very briefly on the Palace Digital Channel after the Stoke game about the general partnership and the fact that it's going to be you, David and Josh are making the decisions. Can you give like a little bit more background? Because obviously we don't want to go into the, the mechanics hugely of a private equity deal. Cause I'm well, sure it's, not, I mean, it's, a per, it's a private deal structured in a private equity way. So, it, you know, it enables... You know, Josh and David could have bought a load more of it if they wanted to. Of course they could. But they've got people that they think add value that are happy to come along in an advisory capacity, don't really want any executive control, don't want to be responsible for 
you know, all the decisions, but, you know, might have a few bits and bobs to say and things to add and uh, want to be involved in Premier League football. So, you know, and, and also it broadens the investor base. It just makes it less investment for everybody in the ground and all that kind of thing. So, basically, the general partnership runs it, has all the executive power. And uh, we came up with a constitution where we all have to agree on the big things, on the budgets, on the, on the, on the, on the big financial expenditures. And I think that that works. You know, really, it's kind of, you know, although I did everything pretty much on my own, you know, it was always with that backdrop of, got to explain this to the boys, you know, going to have to talk them through this, going to have to sound pretty sensible, you know, when I do. And I like that. I don't have a problem with that. You know, I think sometimes when you have football clubs that are just run by one person, given that it's an industry where you can agree to pretty much anything, you know, there are really no parameters. There's no profit principle driving everything, you know. Um, it can be a problem if you're on your own. I'm very much of that opinion that, you know, if you put three, four, five IQs together, you know, you get the sum of the parts. And um, the boys, Stephen, Martin and Jeremy, still being around brilliant for me you know so I've got those guys that I can chat to um, Stephen does such a fantastic job with the fans he's like having a fan on the board isn't he really you know I think as an experienced businessman himself and he's so in touch with the fans goes to the pub with them you know on away games and he knows all the factions and, and the groups and you know he's a great weather vane for us for you know when we're making changes and all that kind of thing so um you know, it's brilliant that he's still around, but Josh and David obviously are really bought into the project and the three of us have to agree on the major decisions. Then I, I run it day to day. I've got a certain amount of parameters and things that I can do without asking. Um, so, but I, you know, it's, I don't have a problem. It's a consensus really, boys. That's actually in these situations is what happens. It's what, I mean, Stephen and we've never had a vote in five years on anything. You know, they've been brilliant, even in difficult times as well, remember. You know, it's, a, it's always great to talk about when times are going well, you know, but, you know, losing Dougie Freeman when we were second top of the league, you know, that's not, you know, you have some pretty strong partners at that point, you know, who stick with you, uh, particularly when there was, you know, we hadn't done particularly brilliantly up to then, we'd improved all the time, but people maybe couldn't see the things that I could see about how much work had gone in and how much we were improving, and then kind of careless to lose another one Tony just before the you know what I mean um, so but but you know they stuck with me through all those times and uh, trusted me to sort it out and get it right so you know I'm sure Josh and David it will be the same you know we will arrive at consensus and if the worst thing that happens is we don't do something that really isn't a bad thing in football trust me you know you, you if things are on the margin of whether they're value for money or sensible 90% of the time if you're better off not doing them really you really are you know because the, the the downside risk is normally so much more than the upside potential of those things um, but if you're all aligned like I'm sure we would have been on a Johan or a, or a, you know those big things that we have done then you know it gives you a lot of confidence when you go into those deals you know because you feel like you've really tested it and I'm somebody you know, I test my opinion and my thoughts all the time against myself, against other people, 
the reason this deal's taking so long is because I mull over it and I think about it and I go back and I think, well, I've looked at this from another way and in those situations I don't think that would work that well, so can we do it like this? You know, if you make deals in five minutes, maybe you look like you're the smartest guy in the room, but they very rarely work, in my view, because I just don't think anyone's that bright. You know, you can be smarter and brighter, but to compute all those possible permutations, sometimes you only get those things when you talk to someone else. So what have you thought about? If this happened, what you would... Ooh, it's a bit of a... You know. Um, so it's, it's... I'm really comfortable with it. We'll see. Tell you what, something that needs to be said and, and that was very important to me because a lot of people football fans don't think of downside risk really you know just buy a load of players try and win the league you know they don't think of the consequences if you don't look at all those clubs that have you know have gone down that road but so just think of the downside risk for a moment you know we've got as an investor base the wealthiest investor base this football club's ever had by a hundred times Right. I mean, this football club has never been owned by people as successful as with, with the financial means, right? So, I'll tell you one thing we ain't doing. We ain't going to administration again, right? Now, that, for most people, most football clubs might not be a big thing, right? For us lot, we've lived through two of them. You know, that's no... And that's traumatic. You know, we're talking about our football club. You know, the work that you guys put in, how much you love it. You know, I've got a wonderful email which I shared a little bit with um, Josh and David from Bill Wyman you know this is your actual rolling stone you know and he just thinks about Palace you know and just randomly sends these beautiful emails you know about how well it's going and how much he's enjoying it and you know it's, it, it's just so much a part of all of our lives and we've been through such trauma with it that you know my first principles of this job that I did when I came in the thing that I wanted to do was secure the future of the football club right so we just did that really you know we secured the future of the football club in the foreseeable future and that's got to be a great building block for us now what we've got to do is just make sure that we're permanent fixture in the Premier League we've got facilities that have become a Premier League team that ain't going to be easy really we know that's not going to be easy guys are not going to throw their money around you know we need to do it sensibly and smartly uh, and that's my job now and I'm excited by it but I'm also kind of a little bit tired I'd like a little bit of a rest <laughs> at the end of the year and then really come out of the blocks flying in January and give it everything we've got you know to, to, to get that main stand first of all built uh, get planning permission for that look at the academy it's okay the academy we've, we've you know it's got its own pitches and all that stuff so that's a step forward but we need to find it a permanent home really um, and we've got some other things we're doing with the academy that I think are smarter than other people so it's certainly not all bad and we've got some really good talent coming through but we've got to look at that as well so sometimes you know when I look at this deal actually for me it's almost a bit overwhelming with what I've now got to do mm-hmm. because one of the things that we had before was well we're not going to do that because we haven't got the money to do that right now unless I you know the four of us go and put some more money in and I didn't want to take that level of money off of the boys really you know because if they went wrong you know I really almost kind of wanted to save their money for if it went wrong and then we had to start putting in loads of money again so but now I've got I know I can you know got the wherewithal to start getting these things done kind of that's a lot (laughs) I've got a lot to do so that's my overriding thought and, and that can't be anything other than a positive one for everybody. 
spoken a little bit about the limited partnership there and sort of the investors come in. I mean, is that something that fans are going to get an insight into in terms of who's putting money in other than the ones that people know about because there's been sort of talk about sort of small groups of like yeah. American investors or just no groups. I mean, they're just people. They're just individuals. Um, mainly that Josh and David know. I, they don't need to be made public according to the rules. So that would probably, be, you know, be discussed and be up to them, really. You know, I'm... Um, don't mind either way you know there's no secrets in Crystal Palace Football Club you know you you, you know more already than I would imagine 99% of clubs would tell people about the way a deal's constructed and all that kind of thing so I'm pretty comfortable if they want to let people know they are you know fine. you're going to sum up very briefly about the sort of benefits of how the deal's been done because obviously we don't need to as I say go too much into the depth of it but just in very high level points for fans just to sort of sum that all up well the benefits for the fans are security for the football club money available to invest in the stadium and other areas um, and a broad investor base of bright people that have all got speciality knowledge in certain areas whether it's merchandising or property or whatever so uh, but the, you know the three key people in this are Josh, David and me so the boys Mike, Jeremy and Stephen were very comfortable as long as I was in a position of executive power still and uh, Josh and David were very comfortable with that and I was very comfortable with them because I spent a lot of time with them so you know it's for us three guys to really push this club forward it's supported by you know the other guys that have come in as shareholders uh, so if you think of it if you thought of it as a public company we're the executive management and then we've got some other shareholders that kind of are along for the ride the enjoyment put their expertise in in an advisory capacity and to invest further money to make the club grow and be part of something fantastic, which is what we aim to make it. How much are the shares? Because we're getting sponsorship now on the board, so you know we've got a bit, got a bit of cash. Now, unfortunately, they're not publicly traded, so you need <laughs> to try and get somebody to part company. We want to be part of the ride. They might, they might be worth more today than they were Friday. I don't know. You'd have to, you'd have to ask someone. I don't think we'd be allowed. Um, speaking of the stadium, any you know, and. Any idea on timeline plans and when we might be able to see some, some blueprints or see I know some designs or something? You know, I see things. It's been far too long while we're <laughs> seeing things. Um, what, what we have to do, we're currently consulting with Sainsbury's. That's the, where we are at the moment. So we need them, they need us. It's a fact. You know, we need to get a, 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 some terms with them. And then we need to talk to the council. And then we need to show you guys. But we want to show you guys something that we believe is in the realms of possibility. You know, we'll probably show it, you know, before um, we go to planning. But we want to show something that's in the realms of possibility in a way that's befitting, you know, marketing a, a new adventure like that. So we want to build a model or, you know, do something nice. So there's a bit of time yet. I can't put time in it because I can't, you know, other people, third parties are involved in getting back to us and things like that. But... I think everybody would appreciate you know we can, I can show you something fantastic and then never be able to deliver it why don't I try and get to a point of knowing roughly what we can get and then show it to you and then hopefully we can meet expectations mm. any idea on potential capacity increases how much that might be roughly we'd like to get to just under 40,000 it looks like as, a, as possibly but I think you know really the direction of travel would be main stand um, do something with the white horse lane so if you had boxes in the main stand, you probably wouldn't want them in the wilds lane. Probably put another tier on that. Mm-hmm. Some kind of symmetry would be quite nice in our ground. Mm-hmm. Symmetry with like the Homestead 
Yeah, so I don't think you'll get that in the main stand because that Homestale roof is a strange old... It's an end roof, isn't it, really? It's kind of... But I think we've got a plan that looks quite nice, homogenising the look and feel, uh, a way of doing it. Um, so, yeah, main stand will be first. We've made no secret of the fact it's building behind it. Um, and then, you know, it's quite a complex process. If you look at what they did at Liverpool, you know, they built behind it. Mm-hmm. Then they, So we would have to lose that hospitality block that we've got at the back of it at the moment and probably have some kind of hospitality in the... In the not, not initially, so you could build the main frame behind it then lose the hospitality bot, then join it on, then build out the stand, and then probably the levels would change in the existing stand. Okay. So then there'd be another season's work where you'd have the back of the new main stand, but the front part where, say, Speroni's and all that would all be redone and rejigged and different levels and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's, the, you know, that's the first thing that we need to do. In, you know, we need a... We need a symbol, you know, of Crystal Palace. You know, you need to pull up and it looks like it wasn't built in 1924 and had a bit slapped on the back of it in the 70s. You know, that's what we need to get it to. And imposing entrance and club shop within the same building, really good corporate, really good, good corporate. You know, we're in London, we should be able to get, you know, and I think the direction of travel for us is to try and get more corporate and keep the general admission so increase the number of general admission seats keep the prices as you know as low as we can really but also keep that kind of palace feel because the last thing you want is, is one of sort of homogenised box stadiums that a lot of clubs have gone for don't you you want something that yeah, still well, feels some like of them palace do work, don't they? like Leicester's works for some reason you know they get really good atmosphere in there others don't seem to work but yeah we, 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 we've got the benefit of hindsight on those things haven't we you know so we can go for something that's a bit more urban and angry and that's why we want to keep the bottom tier of seating because as soon as you take that out you have to rebuild it to the green guide which means you have to have 430 mil wide seats with 800 mil front to back then it means the seats at the back end up miles away because you just so keeping the front tier of seating is absolutely pivotal as Liverpool have done on their stand and then you can really lock in that atmosphere the only stadia elsewhere that you sort of really admire and go I'd like the new size to have that sort of feel to it not really, honestly, because I don't like just how kind of clean and perfect and sanitised and they all are. Just I like it tidy, but uh, just the tightness. All those new stadiums, they're amazing, but they're just not very tight. You know, I just don't get that. Mm. So I think we want to try and... I mean, I, I'm not saying there aren't stadiums out there like it. I just haven't... I can't think off the top of my head of one. I mean, the stadiums I like going to are Spurs... I love, you know, what Art Lane, I think is a, it's a real shame that they, they're going to build a new one because I think it's a real good, tight football stadium. Uh, Goodison Park, mm. um, uh, Anfield, same thing. I like all those. They're the ones I like, really. Mm. Um, OK, so moving on. Um, have you been surprised at some of the negative reaction from fans to the loyalty point scheme, specifically some of the points coming going from merchandise? When some fans saying that really maybe that should be a separate thing that you get points for tickets and to use on tickets and points for merchandise to use on merchandise yeah I am surprised I don't really understand it I mean I've read all the arguments I mean it's probably going to get into a contentious area right but well, let's go there so it's <laughs> the only thing Let, let's go there at Christmas and it's a bit of Christmas goodwill 
So first of all, we get to a point like Bournemouth, right, where if you go to every away game and you've got a season ticket, you've got the same number of points. So what creates a tiebreaker for those points? And as we generate, you know, as we get more fans and, and, and more people that want to go to away games, 2,700 went to Stoke, we get 1,000 tickets for Bournemouth. You know, so how do you decide which one of the 1,000 or 1,500 that have all got the same points get to go, right? So having some way that you can show your loyalty to the football club more than just you went to every home game and every way, to me, seems sensible, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to end up, well, how do I decide then? between? Is it first come, first serve? That doesn't really seem fair. Also, for me, loyalty, you know, some people can't travel to away games. And bear in mind, the amount of points that we give home season ticket holder who travels to every away game is so huge it is pretty impossible for you not to get an away ticket for nearly all of the games and then if you bought a shirt and some hot dogs and some you know but also why shouldn't we encourage people to do that you know for in the most important way and also people you know, they want to go to the other way game they want to break in they might have a job that means they can't go to every away game and this kind of concept that only people that ever go to away games should be the people that go to away games I find it's so it's like a club then it's like a club within a club where only you guys are in it and only you people can ever go to an away game I just don't think that that's healthy really you know I think it's not healthy for the club it's not healthy for football I think there should be a way that you can amass points and loyalty for me to the club is really spending money with a club I mean there's a kind of irony we don't even get the money for the away tickets you know but I do understand it's very important that we have a vibrant and strong away following and, and we love those guys that go up and down of course we do and we're not penalising and we're giving them every single chance in the world to have more points we just want at the lower end the opportunity for people in the same way as we wouldn't sell the whole ground to season tickets even though we can right why would we sell the whole ground to season tickets it means nobody can ever go that hasn't got a season ticket and then you don't get anybody getting the habit and, then, and also what you get is you create a secondary market you sell to season tickets you just get towns buying them unfortunately off Palace fans you know this, this is another email I get oh it's disgraceful these tickets are on this site well where do you think they got them from you know they didn't get them from me they didn't ring the box office did they I mean you have to be a member I mean we have to be fair 380 members were cold recently that were touts or we get a Premier League list suspected as being ticket touts so I think on the loyalty points thing I think it's perfectly reasonable that the people that go home in a way have got a way of collecting more points so they can separate themselves out so they definitely get the first dibs on the Bournemouth tickets or the, you know, or the cup ticket away at Dover or the, you know, whatever might come up, you know, you can show that your loyalty goes beyond just going home in a way and, 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 and that you spend all this money. We want to encourage people to come in and eat retail food at the stadium and it has worked, right? People are doing it. Um, and... Uh, we want an opportunity at the lower end for people to because you know if I showed you the stats there are really not that many people that go home and away every game so the people that all you know this oh we go home and away there really aren't that many people there's a kind of core group of, I can't remember exactly the number but I'll get if you want it I'll get it for you right so actually it is more different people that go to games they don't go to all of them um, so for those people, they're the people really that want to collect more points from other places and try and make it work for them. So I, I, it, it's, 
Now, I've seen the Football Sports Federation. We believe that you know, it kind of a fa- the fans have pressured them to give this statement. That only people that go to away games should get loyalty points to go to away games. I don't agree. I just don't. You know, but I think that those people that go to away games and travel up and down the country and spend their money should get a lot of points for going to those away games. Absolutely, and it should. If they've got a home season ticket as well, it should make them almost unassailable if they want to go to an away game, particularly the ones where there's five thousand tickets and all that stuff. Um, but I do think there should be an opportunity for other people to join the party if they want. Do you foresee any sort of tweaks to that system? Because you're speaking about sort of the waiting almost all the time. Yeah, of course. And we've had loads of stuff from fans. You know, that, that isn't. I mean, one of the things straight away, the corporate people don't get it. So you can't spend, you know, 150 quid in Speronis and suddenly you've got 150 points, you know. So, absolutely, you know, we want to make it fair. We want to make it a tiebreaker for the people at the top. We want to make it reasonable. You know, like if somebody's been got a home season ticket, they've been to two away games ever in the season or, or last season or the season before. Remember, you carry them forward as well. And then somebody else has bought, you know, Loads of shirts, loads of merchandise, always eats in the stadium. You know, should they not get an opportunity to go to the away game against a fan who's been to two away games? Might have been Chelsea and Arsenal. You know, not not making a massive commitment there, are they? They might live, you know, up the road. So I think that, you know, you can take the very extreme end. There is nobody that goes home and away and has got a season ticket and followed us in the championship and all that stuff who can't get the first dibs on an away ticket. There just isn't. But what it does, it enables at the lower end for people to get an opportunity to go to an away game, to find a way to go there and at the same time support the club by not eating at the jerk chicken place and the fish shop and the things, which are all great Other takeaways are available. Yeah, and and, and I'm pleased that they're there, you know, and we're pleased to support them as businesses, you know, but we reserve the right as a business as well to try and find some way to get people to eat our food and our drink and all that kind of stuff, so. Okay, cool. Okay, well, finally then, what... um We've got this new investment coming in. As and when you do depart Selhurst State, what do you think your legacy will be? Or what legacy do you think you'll leave behind at, at Palace? As and when? Well, I'd like it to be established Premier League club with a great stadium and really good training facilities. Like, I'd like to come and ask your permission to go at that point when I've got there. You know, that kind of would feel like a, a, a good time. But I can't, you know, I just do my best to get, to get us there. I can't absolutely promise that, you know, look at Swansea this season, they're in the bottom three. You know, I mean, I don't think they'll stay there by any means. I watched them Saturday, they were sensational against West Ham, very unlucky not to score. Um, but that's what I want to do. At least get us like a long way there. And then, then, then I'll look back and I think I will then feel that I've done what I set out to do if I can get us to that point cool okay good stuff right well uh, join us later on in the podcast for more from Steve answering your questions Uh, but right now it's uh, back to the guys at Kevin's Hello, welcome back to the Five Year Plan Christmas podcast. Hey! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to see Palace will away. Hey! 
Uh, I prefer the indifferent home form. Of course you do. I used to get really cross with that. If we were winding up with 10 minutes to go and Palace fans started singing that, go, what are you doing? They were singing it at half-time. You're inviting them to equalise singing that. Sing it after the whistle's gone, not now, you idiots. Singing it at half-time at Stoke on, on no, Saturday. No, you can't do that. Well, the, uh, I say that, the, the home form has actually picked up, hasn't it? Last two performances have been very good, yes. Before Stoke, we'd, we'd got identical home and away record. Yeah, one as many point, four wins and one draw. I think it was. Albeit so. that we played two more games at home. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. but still, typical stream. So the um, game is actually lower. Let me mention our, our sponsors. Our sponsors are Vector Printing for all your print and embroidery needs. Go to vector.co.uk and that's Vector with us. and JCIS, the global research and brand consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. Um, so, chaps, it is Christmas, and there'll be some uh, listeners listening to this on Christmas Day. So, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Really? Oh, Lord, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there might be, yeah. No, might be, Why yeah, not? Might be, yeah, and there might be some uh, listeners who will have opened a present, and it will be a Crystal Palace themed present of some sort, I'm sure. Um, but my question to you guys is what, what's the best and worst Palace themed present you've ever got for Christmas? I think both the answer to that question is the same thing as my. Palace Garden Gnome, which uh, is, is it? it's, got, it's, it's, not in, it's too precious to put in the garden, <laughs> uh, which I unwrapped one year from my mother-in-law, and you, know, you can't wrap a gnome and disguise it. No. It wasn't in a box. It was, clearly, <laughs> it was clearly a gnome of some sort in wrapping paper. Has he got no gnome um, to go to? <laughs> <laughs> was it laughing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 he's not, he, he. not in good health at the moment. Oh, God. <laughs> David Bowie still denies it. He sang the Laughing Gnome, doesn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. Yeah, that's a David Bowie reference to everybody. Laughing Gnome, so laughing he, gnome. he denies Check it. Check it on the internet. Yeah, the Palace Garden Gnome was my uh, favourite. Although this year I noticed the club shop are making an attempt to get classier. Are they? Because in the years well, gone by... Christmas I mean, jumpers. Te- yeah, yeah, they, yeah, I mean, ten years ago, pretty much everything in the club shop was... Sold out. Or tat. <laughs> 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 Sold out tat. But no, yeah, the Garden Gnome, I was, I'm very fond of my Palace Garden Gnome. I'm sure there'll be a few more Garden Gnomes getting... Delivered at Christmas. Um, anyone else? Andy, what's, uh, what's the best on, on the good side, I've had a number of good Palace books at Christmas. There's the official long history. Is that, the, is that Mr Sands? Reverend Sands, isn't Reverend it? Sure. Reverend uh, Nigel Sands. did that one. Nigel no, it's, Sands. No, it's, it's the other... The other Ian King. excellent. I've also had a number of Reverend Sands ones as well at Christmas, so those have always been fantastic. Yeah. The worst Palace gift has to be... The Southampton game last year on Boxing oh, Day. Yeah. Oh. And I completely stole that from one of the comments that we had when we asked this question yeah. on Twitter or Facebook. So we'll give credit to it. But I thought it was a very good answer. But that was did, particularly bad. But it did, lead, it did lead to Warlock going, though. So it did. I got some Palace underpants once, which I think weren't official club merchandise. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, but and it was, the Eagle was very unfortunately placed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want my Christmas lunch anymore. No, I, don't, I can't Enders. think anymore. I can't think. Oh, what's the worst? The best are usually are those two great books by um, Neil McSteen, the um, Palace on This Day. Yeah. And the, Good the miscellaneous one, the one with all the facts and figures in it and the stories. I mean, it's almost like I told you to is say that. that. that no, no, it's, no it's, but it's true. It's, it's, true. it's a great book. They are great, great books. Right. And I think they're both still in print and available <laughs> on, his... on all sort of social thingy shops. Remind me of his full name, Neil Fred Neil... Vendercock McSteen. No, he's just. You want commissions of He's a friend. He's a friend. He's a friend of mine. Can you? Well, can you ask him then to do an updated version? Because the one I've got is from like 2008. Why 
don't we ask him now? Because he listens to Neil, the Neil, could you please do an updated version of your excellent On This Day book? I also, I also yeah. love the... Uh, I also, one year, I got the um, High on Palace book, which is a fantastic book. Oh, that's that a is great, good. Which is yeah, a great, yeah. great book of... Yeah, that uh, is fantastic. Photographs yeah. from past, yeah. future, present, whatever. Uh, and Neil, if you are listening... <laughs> well, not for the future, but... If you might. don't update your book, it means G- JD would have to go on the internet for... Do proper research. Seven years of proper research <laughs> Future photographs, that'd be great. If you could take photographs of the future, wouldn't it? Well, I, I do it. I, I do it on a regular. I do it on a regular basis. We <laughs> just I haven't found a way of printing them out. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> when I do, I'll let you know. Oh, I hope somebody, somebody is listening to this on Christmas Day. Um, I'm having sprouts. No, I'm listening to James Endicott talk about printing photographs of the future. What, what, I'm leaving. I'm leaving what happens in the future? Good riddance. What future photographs have you taken? I'm not telling you. Can't tell you. Oh come you, on! You'll all want no. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Exactly. We yeah. Well, look, I asked the listeners for their um, their palace tat they received. Um, John Humphreys received a knitted woolen palace kit for his action man figure. Brilliant. Oh, that's amazing. That's jolly age. Yes, that's thoughtful. Some parent put some effort into that. James, I mean, Santa put some effort into that. <laughs> Santa did. Um, James says, my grandmother once embroidered me a small red and blue cushion reading and on the eighth day God created Crystal Palace oh, that's fantastic was that uh, Granny Vector that was Granny Vector Granny Vector yeah, yeah. Was that with a... <laughs> oh similar to what you said Street Jack Bristow says that uh, he bought he bought his old man tickets to Mill Away for New Year's Day which would have been what 2010 oh, that, uh, lost uh, yeah. 3-0 got yeah. kept in by the old bill oh, and it shut down with rain but <laughs> yeah. much like you said that was 2011 2011 so was, uh, the first New Year's Day game that CBST 2010 had had and Burley got sacked just after, got after, sacked after no it would have been 2010 no it would have been 2011 2010 they, they took no, over 2010 we were still oh okay still in trouble with no they took over in they summer took over in 2010 yeah, they, and then the Christmas 2010 goes into New Year's yeah, Day 2011 Oh, 20, it was oh, 2011 start. Well, 2011, yeah, oh, yeah. wow, yeah. Oh, January 1st is the next year. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the same oh, year. I thought it was January 1st, 2010. No, I thought it was oh, New Year's. Oh, silly me. I thought it was New Year's Eve, sorry. This we played why, on New Year's Eve. This is why it needs I thought it was New Year's Eve, even though we... Though that we was also New Year's Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, because no, one of your future photographs was taken <laughs> the, day, the day they took over in 2010. You brought your yeah. photographs of the Millwall game. Yeah, I know. Which but, is why I didn't go, because I knew we were going to lose. And you... And who got a hat-trick that day? For Millwall? Jason Punchin. Jason Punchin. Whoa. Did he? Did yes, he? he did. He did indeed. No, Dodd. Oh, no. <laughs> and whose, game, whose, whose last game was it as manager? George Burley. Oh, you did say that. Sorry, I wasn't listening. Um, <laughs> well, because you can't multitask. And you was it on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? <laughs> I don't even know. Was it 2010 know. or 2011? I don't know. You, you literally can't look at your phone and listen at the same time. No, I can't. You? I can't. But again, like the Warnock you one, it led to... I'm getting confused. Like the Warnock one... Stop distracting me, I'm trying to talk. Like the Warnock one... It led to a new era because it led Burley going, Dougie coming in, and Dougie. You know, a lot of people have said that he was the one that kind of started us on this upward trajectory. We're still sort of playing his yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Some of the dullest football we've ever seen. Yeah, we've yeah, progressed. Yeah. We've yeah, progressed, yeah. but just a yeah. little. Which turned into an act of treachery unknown in Palace history. Yeah. There you go. I well, we're over that now, though, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, we're right. over right. that. Just ruined, <laughs> just ruined my Christmas. JD's just ruined Christmas. Again, I'm taking all the tips. Come on, more, 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 more bad good. Well, no, things. I'm going to because speaking of Palace history, I'm going to I'm going to dip into Neil McSteen's excellent. Oh, really? Book. And, oh. Which is available on all um, <laughs> uh, online shops, I believe. For, well, nothing, um, nothing could have happened on Boxing Day, for example. Surely, surely, nothing's ever happened on Boxing Day. Well, first of all, let's because back in the day they used to play on Christmas Day. Christmas yeah, Day, they did, and then didn't they? Reverse fixture on Boxing Day. Um, really? Yeah. Did people hate spending time with their families that much? Yeah. They so did, and it was, well, it was it was the only holiday really because yeah. you were a, a working man. Yeah. It was the only day off. It's only up to about the early working 60s. man. 
Well, Apparently, a woman. there's a famous one, Charlton lost. There are women available as well. Charlton lost 7 0 at home. That sounds then, creepy. But then they, run, they won the reverse fix <laughs> in the next day. So. Yeah. You used uh, to, so you used to play the same team? Yeah, yeah. Two days in a row? Yeah. And, that and it was usually a local team, obviously, because. Yeah, but not always no. if you so, but. So, you, for example, you played Brighton two days in a row? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Or Blackburn sometimes because they were. Imagine if, you, if we beat Brighton twice in just over 24 hours. Yeah. We probably would because they're terrible. So on, on the 25th of December 1920 I remember yeah It says here On the way to becoming Champions of the third division Palace faced a Christmas Double header with Brighton So we did Whoa. Yeah. Away um, on the south coast did we On Christmas day Palace grabbed a 2-0 win Yes Well done Palace Well done 1920 Doesn't actually say What the reverse fixture no. was Oh it does It does I like the, the nest Was packed with 22,000 people On Boxing Day 20, The next day 1920 um, What's the score? They, uh, so it's back to the double, the, the double header second game Palace okay, in the suspense. Palace did the double because Ted hey, Smith got the winner in a 3-2 victory yes! Yes! imagine seeing the big Palace twice in the space of 24 Smithy. hours yeah. all we need now is a time machine to go back to 1920 no, which unfortunately I can only go forward oh, yeah. oh. what year was it 1920 1920 yeah. oh, there we go um, 1920s it was all 1920s so it's been nearly a century we've been better than them yeah, yeah. brilliant just about every man in the crowd would have had a limb missing because of the war. Yeah. Oh, bring it down. <laughs> yeah, n- n- nice one. Except the cowards, of course. There's another. There's... <laughs> oh my god, Jesus. Um, there's more. There's more Boxing Days against Brighton. 1962. Like my my great granddad was. I'm very proud of what my great granddad did in the First World War, considering he was very claustrophobic. Where he spent the First World War was amazing. Well, absolutely. In, in a cupboard under his mum's stairs. <laughs> 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 he had a terrible allergy to feathers as well. <laughs> that was very inappropriate. Oh, I was shockingly inappropriate, but very funny. Yeah, that's uh, our tagline, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, just shockingly. Come on, Santa, I want more. Uh, Nineteen sixty-two, Palace played Brighton again uh, and came away with a. 2-0 victory yes. unfortunately we did lose to them on the 27th of oh, we'll ignore that one it was offside anyway yeah, we're not going to go into that one ref was shocking that day yeah rubbish I think the crowd was massive though for that game wasn't it the 60s one probably it, it does not say but I would imagine there's some yeah. guy with a flobby haircut looking at his phone and not concentrating on the game oh, oh, of course going, coming, coming a bit more, more recent 1997 Ooh. Uh, after missing a 78th minute penalty in the premiership encounter with Southampton Itzhak Zohar Itzhak Zohar apparently was given permission to return to Israel for New Year Zohar returned to his former club Maccabi Haifa in a friendly against AC Milan that he didn't have permission to play for ironically he missed a penalty in that game as well, well. <laughs> I think it was less given permission or fuck off out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so there you go. Lots of Brighton-themed games. Well, they're the ones that you found. Perhaps yeah. we should yeah. like start a song of some sort about Boxing yeah. Day yeah. and <laughs> Brighton. It yeah, seems, it seems like, like it would be thematically with a, with appropriate. A, with a Christmas tune, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Oh, I found one from 1910. Oh, Boxing on. Day 1910. Do you, know what you, do? you know what you should do with your research? Probably prepare it better. Yeah, not do it while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, because you only have but seven days to do this. It makes for more spontaneous. Yeah. Makes for like a more spontaneous. You keep moaning about podcast. this two-hour journey you've got to Chesham on the train. Why do you do it on the train to Chesham? Uh, well, I stayed at Annie's last night, so the journey was a oh, little quicker. Really. Oh, um, oh, that's why you've got a smile on your face this morning. We're doing a morning pod, so I have to get up. What happened to that restraining oh. order? It's been rescinded. I'm very good. Um, the first, very good. E- the first ever Boxing Day 
fixture between Palace and Brighton was 1910. Oh, I bet we lost, didn't we? Played down on the south coast. Palace lost 2-0. Oh, that was a rubbish game. I don't know, because I'm just trying can to be we, Can we have a good fact to end the, end the part on? Try, try well, that one that's on this day? Yeah, well, yeah. Boxing day. Well, no, but, well, because we, this feature's called on this In This Week, isn't it? Oh, it's changed now, is it? Yeah, yeah in oh, this week. Because there aren't that many on... When did that happen? Oh, about... Two weeks ago, and I realised there wasn't enough things to keep this feature going. I think, yeah, when we when we realised that the only fact on the day that we last recorded it was Andreas Rubin staying in the club shop until nine o'clock in 2001 to sign autograph which I personally found fascinating which I think is a brilliant fact to put into a book I want a book of facts just like that I was furious that I missed out when I read the book if I'm honest oh, well, I, turned, I turned up sort of size of the queue and thought it was no point you and lots of other people all night um, <laughs> well here's an interesting one from the 23rd of December 1980 oh, again right. to do with Brighton Brighton chairman Mike Bamber revealed a projected plan for Palace and the South Coast rivals to share a stadium at Gatwick. Yeah. Oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, that came up a couple of times, a stadium at Crawley for Palace and Brighton to, to share. Yeah. That would have been a disaster, wouldn't it? And there's well, talk yeah. of, well, Nodes spoke for about two years about building a shared stadium for Palace in Wimbledon. I knew about that one. That's slightly closer to yeah. Brighton, isn't it? Of course, uh, AFC Wimbledon now returned to Plough Lane. Well, oh. I hope they, unless they've, they've the local... Local residents have asked Boris Johnson to step in and overturn the planning permission, haven't they? Because they don't want oiks in the, that really classy area of <laughs> around that well, was that classy dog track? Yeah, that would be a great story. Much as I, I, I yeah. they're in gratitude for the time that we saved their asses while sharing our ground with them, still rankles a Scotters. little bit. But it would be a fantastic story if they ended up back at. Plough Lane that would be really good I like, I like the filler we're doing here while JD continues to research yeah, lies unbelievable people go oh, no, I've, done, I've done the good ones that's, one of, good that's ones. one of the things yeah. I tune in for JD's live research yeah. we've done the good ones um, no, I'm listening to on Christmas Day while well, there's a massive family row going on downstairs because I'm not in the room <laughs> having dinner with them so I'm listening to James Day <laughs> told you to put it on at 4am <laughs> Kevin um, but I love Wayne Hennessy of course he's number one Shut those up, those boy. Boxing Day games that the, that, the, the song was coined after which is a Harry Belafonte song wasn't it that became the the Boxing Day Mary's Boy Child that became the final yeah. song um, when we played I think, I think other singers are available singers, for yeah, that song yeah. well no because Boney M covered it later but it was a you know, yeah, whatever yeah, it was, um, it was, well I think you find it was Tradar originally but, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but then he made it into the pop whatever yeah. anyway um, when we played them when it when it became the Brighton Rivalry which was the, the, the 70s we played them four times on Boxing Day in a space of about seven or eight yeah. years we actually lost Three of those and only one one of those. Did we? Yeah. Those, there was two at Stellar's, two at Thingy. I remember one away when it was pouring rain. It took us ages getting down there because of the weather conditions. Yeah, we actually haven't got a when brilliant When was our record. last Boxing Day game at home? 78, I think. No, uh, oh, we recently. mean against Brighton? No, uh, just last, last year, Southampton. Oh, I was away, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. missed mm. that I did, yeah, that was lucky, yeah. So, a uh, quick straw poll here. Seeing as we're talking about those Tesco bag wearers, do we want them to come up to the Premier League to play us here? No, no, I want them to no. lose it on the final day. And yeah, and I don't want them to not get in the playoffs. Yeah, okay. agreed. I think, I think the really important thing about your hated rival is that you're always one division yeah. above them. See, I agree with this. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I want, I want their noses pressed against the Premier League shop window for as long as possible, and I want them really hurting because yeah. we're doing well in it. Well, they lost their first game of the season at the weekend. Yeah, and quite badly. So hopefully that decline so will... With any luck. Because the trouble is, there's always the off chance that we... You know, they get up, we play them start of the season, they're full of adrenaline, we've exactly. got a couple of injuries, they nick a win. Exactly. Then we get six months of yeah. not being able to leave the house or come out from under They the can't beat us while they're in the division below. Yeah, so. basically. So Good, okay. Um, I totally agree. Enders? Uh, yeah, I agree as well. <laughs> Good. Uh, right, Brilliant. then. 
That Ender's is so bored now. He started taking secret photographs. I know. I, I, I'm I, just I sending a photograph to my daughter who just said, "Have you just got up, Dad?" She doesn't realise I've been here for an hour and a half. So just to prove it. Have you just got te- texting me? Lives in the same house as me. Sends me a text. Have you just got up, Dad? No, I've been seven miles away for the last hour and a half. Actually, yeah, their observational Happy skills. Christmas. Are, their observational yeah. skills are great. Happy Christmas, love. Okay, well, Ender, you've you got a chance to have a little rest now because maybe go- she was looking at one of your photos of the future when you get back to the house. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Look, that's very downstairs. Good, very good. Very good. <laughs> He's drinking brandy just as Santa. I don't know why. Very good. Right. Well, look. Let's take a break uh, because we're going to go back to hear more from from our special guest for this podcast, which is Steve Parish. Oh, Hallis Chairman. He's sounding um, good today. It was keeping yeah. quiet in this part, though, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. 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 I think he's just gone to make some more sausage he's, sandwiches. He's nice to make, make coffee. We're going back to hear him, even though he's going to be in the future when we hear him. Okay, so we're going to the going fu- back to the future. Yeah. Oh, an idea somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. I don't know, Kev. Right, so let's, uh, let's, let's, we basically, we asked our listeners some questions, so here's, Hurry up. here's Steve answering your questions, listeners, um, so Johnson a bit. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast, we're here with Palace owner Steve Parrish, how are you doing Steve? Very good, thanks. Well, we've got some uh, questions from our listeners, um, we had a lot of questions, I apologise right now, I can't read them all out, listeners, but there's some fantastic questions. First of all, just a lot of thank yous from fans. Just people saying thank you very much for taking the club over five years ago, progressing the club as it is now. What would you say to those guys? Not a thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you know we've given people some pleasure and put some pride back into supporting Crystal Palace. You know that is the first stage of what we wanted to do. Certainly, what I wanted to do, and I'm thrilled if you know the good the goodwill and and the good wishes you get from people is brilliant. Really, really good. Very good. happy for them. Good stuff. Um, right, so the first question as such comes from Carl MSX, and he says, um, will the name Selhurst Park stay as a stadium name or is there space for an advertising name potentially? Well, I think the fans, if, if we were getting some kind of naming rights deal that really facilitated us getting a good stadium, then I think that people would, um, would buy into it. I think slightly depends what the name is and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, FIP Arena. Yeah, if you've got you know the right level of Wonga, you can. Come Probably in. not, no. <laughs> um, I, I just you know we'd have to look at it. I'm not sure. It, you know, for us to do it, it would need to make a difference, and I'm not sure that the, that market is really there quite yet. You know, I think we'd need to do a little bit more mm-hmm. to get there, um, but. You know, we would look at it, but we understand the fans' concerns because I share them really. Um, but you know, so it's it's an open question, but it would need to be worthwhile. I would need to be able to say to fans, "Look, sorry about this, but it's going to make it happen." So, what do you reckon? Okay. <laughs> so you put it to consultation then, sort of with the fans first, or just well, I don't think you can. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, maybe run it up the flagpole. You know, I mean, normally. We tell people we're going to do things before we do them and gauge the opinion. It's very rare that we go against it if it's a real groundswell. Sometimes we have because I just think I know best sometimes. You know, that's what being a leader in a business is all about, you know. But you'll see you're not a good leader if you don't listen to people. So we would listen to people's concerns, of course. And it wouldn't be, you know, it's not something that's high on my agenda. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, oh, you know, you can get X for it and the stadium would be that much better than if you did that and... 
And it depends what brand as well. I think the Tasty Jerk Arena might have got a bit of a ring Yeah, down. absolutely. Uh, another question on the stadium from Louis Louisao, which is a fantastic name. Um, will there be any standing area? Will there be safe no. standing? No, there won't. Is that not something that could be on the horizon potentially? Or? Well, I mean, okay, no, there won't. It's a bit bold with me, isn't it? We're four or five years down the road. Uh, there isn't any real momentum behind safe standing in, in England. Why do you think that is? Well, I think number one, a lot of people have built a lot of stadiums recently. <laughs> you know, you know, and it's quite expensive actually to take the seats out and put the rails in and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's probably the only place um, that you could really take advantage of it commercially is in the Premier League because most championship grounds and below don't sell out do they um, I think it does give you a bit of an issue when the ground doesn't sell out I think that um, having fans sat down is are easier to control so I think there's a kind of control and safety issue you know we're still living in a world post Hillsborough where that is the overriding concern of everybody um, but we'll see I think there's trials going on in Scotland is yeah. that right? We'll see. I mean, I'm for where we are in the Premier League, I'm in favour of it. You know, I'd like to see a lower Homesdale packed full. But, you know, I went to Mainz. I haven't been to Dortmund, but Mainz have got a big standing section. I think there are safety worries. I mean, I'm not saying that's unsafe or anything, but it looks, it is packed full of people in a very tight area because they actually have the away fans in half of the home end you know like like you used to with fencing all around them so you know there's just something about it that's not that part you know the, the end where the home fans are looks great but then they have the standing away fans I don't know there was something about it wasn't appealing to me it was it's, a bit... always, it's always difficult to stop fans standing on massive if they want to we see a lot of away fans standing if people aren't going to stand sometimes they're going to do it So yeah it's just when you have those kind of kind of cheese shaped areas in a away end in a home end with away fans it just looks a bit kind of I don't know like a bit 70s and a little bit scary in some ways um, so I don't, it depends how it's executed but I just have to tell you there's no real momentum that I see or hear for it anywhere at the moment I and mean, when you consider that most people don't let people stand up at all. I mean, all over here at Premier League grounds are announcements of if you don't sit down, you know, I think it's going to be tough to bring it in. Next question then is from Ramsey Muzalam, who says, um, any plans to resurrect the Sowers Park Open Days? Remember those back in the 90s, the Open Days before pre- pre-season? We're going to do proper tours. So there's going to be a proper tour that you can book online um, at designated times. So not those kind of open days, no days for all the players to be there and be signing autographs and stuff. Don't think so, no. No. Sorry, Ramsey. Um, next question is from Rob Gooders, who says, um, bearing where we are in the league right now, do we really need the distraction of the Europa League if we qual- if we qualify? He says messes up league form, question mark. Wow. Luxury problems, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't buy into that. Palace in Europe, you don't want that, really? Come on. 
you got to want. I personally want it. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's let's let's. Are we ready for? Are we ready for? Do you think that the team is ready for that? If we did this season qualify, or is that something you just address as yeah. and when? One time we weren't ready for the Premier League. weren't ready for the Championship. weren't ready for the Premier League. weren't ready for this. weren't ready for that. Of course, it's tough. You've got to look at your squad size, and even the bigger teams are struggling, aren't they? With we're told with the European Cup, and and we obviously see it with the Europa League. It does feel like when the teams are in the Europa League, but Tottenham seem to cope pretty well every season Europa League last year finished fifth didn't seem to drain them, them too much you know um, so I, I think we'd love to get there and we pre- do a pretty good job of backing the odds so let's see if we can get there and it not really affect our league form maybe spoke about tours of the stadium we've also had a lot of questions about different type of tour though pre-season tours of the states what with the new American investment I mean, we've done it before is it something that we're planning again or are there other types of pre-season tour that we're looking at at the moment we really enjoyed South Africa last year brilliant facilities fabulous games <clears throat> the number one thing is we've got to get the right games for the manager right that's you know that's really kind of where I am you know we've got a great manager that if I said we're going to like you know out, out of Mongolia because we, we think that there's a good possibility of driving fans there they that, you know he would go okay great you know but I think that that's the most important thing. We get the games and the facilities for the team to prepare well. Obviously, America is is a place that because of the American guys coming in, we'd love to do it. There's a big cup out there um, this season, and obviously we've got the European Cup as well, which, which which makes it a little bit more tricky. So we're looking into every avenue at the moment. We'd like to get something battened down. Unfortunately, it's very difficult because people don't know what they want to do at this time. Uh, some kind of tournament would be great you know it'd be really good to participate in um, in something pre-season so that, that was slightly competitive like we did last year so we're doing our best uh, another question from Mike Wicks who says how innovative do you think we are Steve with data and analytics I mean I know that American guys tend to be big on that in their sports so, and what are we doing to steal a bit of a march on teams who've got bigger budgets than us bigger budgets what in data and analytics well, no, just in terms of their transfer spend, I'd imagine that would mean. Because obviously we, we've tended in the oh, past so to mean. look at sort of the, not the lower end of players, but look for the bargains. So is there anything particular that you think we're doing in that sort of area? Well, I haven't... I mean, nobody's ever really shown me an example of where somebody was signed on data and analytics where it's been like a rip-roaring success, you know. I mean, the Premier League... You're looking for exposed or semi-exposed talent, really, by and large. I mean, and, and at the level where you'd really like the stats, like academy level, there aren't really any that you can get publicly. Um, when we look at a transfer, we analyse it methodically, statistically, against a peer group of players, often players that we've got that we know are in the same position or players that will play for us. Um, we've got a room where we've got all of the players that we're interested in on videos we've got an assessment of those players we've got different ratings for what we think how they'll be a success but in the end they're all most of them are a risk right because there are so many psychological things that make a player perform so I mean I'll give you one example right I think there are certain teams where you've seen a committee buying players on analytics and they're good players 
but the manager hasn't got that job for them to do the job that they're good at that generated those statistics you know there are very very different jobs even within a midfield in a, in a, in a football team very different ways that you know managers want to play you know we talk a lot of talk now about this high pressing game you know now there's a million different ways of doing it but one thing that that does require is a lot of energy you know so you might look at a stat for that if you're going to play in that way the manager will look at those stats try and understand that but the manager's got that picture in his head he understands how he wants to play not just in this game but in all the games where throughout the season not only that the manager also understands the options that he needs 25 players often isn't enough with injuries so you need to know right who can play right back and centre back you know that player is a lot more valuable to me don't care what the stats are for the centre back that player can play both and that is really valuable to me or left back and centre back or you know the player can play 8 or 10 or he can play 4 or he can play 4 or 8 you know um, he's a wide player but he can also play right back at a push you know, all of these things come into play for the squad planning and the manager. So, and the manager uses loads of analytics with the squad, with his team talks. You know, the manager likes to talk in facts, not perceptions. If You know, he will test his, I think this, and then he'll ask, you know, he's got a team of analysts, is that right? You know, I'm getting a sense that this is happening and then they'll go and test that against they'll go oh no not really oh it's not or they'll go yeah no you're right it is or they'll give him a particular stat did you know that this is occurring so we use it all the time and we're all trying to hone it and we buy more packages and more data and all that sort of stuff but we also have a guy that watched 240 games on the continent last year our head of recruitment we've also got people that work in the countries that are hearing the buzz about the next big players we've got people that scout in the lower leagues you know where the stats are harder to come by um, I think the idea and also it's levels you know you can get all the stats in the world but they're not the same level so in, in basketball everybody plays the same basketball everybody plays the same college basketball for years and years and years going back so you can compare those stats You're right, you might have a year that's not quite as good as another year but they're still the same ballpark how does the Danish league acquire, you know people will tell you they put weightings on it so that we've thrown up this player doing really well in the Norwegian league and we've put this weight on it and we think this player can definitely succeed in the Premier League. Okay, you might be right, but that's a big ask. That is, that's a big risk. Um, so, people going to watch players, you know, uh, and combining that with the stats and the analysis, I think is very, very important. And we're not talking about the old kind of divvy sort of scouts you know that are kind of divining you know trying to water divine almost talent you know we're talking about people that are really analytical about the way they watch talent and the way they watch the games and the notes that they make and you know they put all of that on the system and and they're also in tune with what the manager wants they understand that position the manager wants and the job that they want the player to do so um, I think that we're trying to build our own system of finding the right talent and so far, you know, it seems to be going okay. Speaking of what the manager wants, the next question is from Mark Davis, and he says, what do you want from Santa Claus for Christmas? And crucially, have you been good enough to get it? Um, uh, depends. I think I deserve a little something this Christmas. Um, obviously, the best thing for all of us is six points. 
on the 26th and the 28th, isn't it? We, 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 that's what, where we're made. Um, other than that, a rest <laughs> and, and a few bits and bobs. I'm sure the kids will get me that I'll like. Last year it was pants and socks. Is that what I said? Yeah. Pants and socks. Boring stuff. No one wants to go and buy their own pants and socks today. I so. personally very much enjoy buying my own pants and socks. Yeah. But that makes me who I am. Final question then from Chris Chapman. And he says, since your tenure as chairman, what part of the, your time at the helm are you most proud of? Um, I would say all of it. I think there's those moments where you're really tested and called upon. Obviously, I'm proud of, of that, you know. Um, I'm proud of the fact that through the managerial changes, we've managed to have a culture and an ethos at the place that's carried us through that, you know, and good people that have come to help, players that we've got, I've mentioned before, Mele and Damo and Paddy and players that really, you know, care about this football club. And often you get that at football clubs. I don't think in the professional game um, professional pride caring about the club um, so I think that you know just generally just look at the culture and ethos that we've got at the football club and have a sense of pride that you were maybe the spark you know that, 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 that created that most businesses in the end end up reflecting the people that run them don't they they do you know because you pick people who pick other people who pick other people so um, the fact that everybody likes, you know, opposing directors and all that, they like coming to Crystal Palace. You know, it, it, it's a pleasant place to be. You know, it's full of positive people, nice people that want to win, but, you know, don't forget that, you know, it's the end of the absolute end of the world if you lose the odd game. And, you know, it's very important how your interactions with other people and their interactions with you and, and how you treat people when they come. We're all in this wonderful thing, football, that we love. We're trying to do the same thing, trying to do the best by our football clubs and our communities. So I, I'm proud of every bit of it. I'm proud of everybody that's involved with the club. I have been since I was four years old. I've always wanted to be a part of this football club. I've always been drawn to it. And um, I'm kind of more proud that I've just been given an opportunity to run it. You know, I mean, it's just everybody's dream, really, I think, if you can't play the game, to, to be able to make a difference to your football club. And if I've made a small difference to it, and we do on, you know, go on to make a big difference. Then that that that's brilliant, you know. And if you do that, every little decision you've got to be proud of, because even the wrong ones sometimes teach you things. Mm. By the Christmas pod of twenty sixteen, what do you hope the club will have achieved? Uh, listen, I don't. I, honestly, people ask me for scores. I don't really like predicting anything for scores, because you can't. It's like the stock market. You know, I can't tell you what's going to happen with the stock market tomorrow. But I can tell you in five years, if you invest in the right things, you'll make money. You know, same with property, same with anything. You know, short-term predicting is for idiots, really. You know, we're in good shape. We're going well. But, you know, you lose three games in this division and the confidence suffers a bit. That's when we've all got to dig in. That's when we've all really got to be together. You know, me, Alan, Keith Millen, you know, all the Salako, all the people at the training ground, you know, that's when we've properly got to be on the same page. So... Sure, we'll get tested at some point through this season. I'm looking forward to that, actually, because I tell you, we've got a good group of people at this football club. Mm-hmm. And um, when we do get tested, we'll come through it. Players, management, uh, both levels at the training ground and, 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 and the kind of executive management. So, um, I don't know. We're just going to do 
I know it's a cliche, but we just try and do the best we can, be as organised as we can, get everything right. That's what Alan does every week. Get his preparation as right as he can. Give ourselves the best chance of being successful. And then some of it's in the bounce of the ball, isn't it? You know, you can't predict it. <coughs> Finally then, uh, what is your Christmas message to the FYP listeners? Well, first of all, happy Christmas. It's a great Christmas for all of us. You know, we, we spoke last night at the Christmas party that in, on the 7th of August 2010, first game in charge, under-invested football club, terrible food served at the stadium. Uh, we had eight first-team players that summer. Um, Wilfried Zaha scores a goal in 19 minutes and you just saw a glimpse of what the future could be we had 30,000 Facebook fans then we've got nearly a million now Um, you know from that time we finished higher every season we've won the playoff final we're now sitting sixth in the Premier League it's just a fantastic moment for us all to stop hope everybody has an amazing Christmas stick with us because I think the ride's going to get even better that's the aim Um, and I'm just glad it's given everybody so much enjoyment and for once we can sit there on Christmas Day and just not fret or worry um, and be positive about the future and that's what I want everybody to be so hope everybody has a great new year I'm looking forward to it I'm sure everybody is Um, and it's fantastic having everybody along the amount of goodwill that I get from everybody and people that come up to me I'm ever so sorry, I'm a Palace fan, really sorry to bother you. You're a Palace fan, you can talk to me, don't care where you are. <laughs> you know, you're one of us, you know, it's lovely to be out and about um, and for people to come and say those things, you know, and it, it, it spurs you on because you just want to do well for everybody. So um, to everybody that's said Happy Christmas to me or wish me New Year, thank you and uh, enjoy yours. Have a very, very peaceful, happy Christmas and look forward to seeing everybody again in the New Year. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on the Christmas pod and Merry Christmas to you as well, Steve. Have, have a good yeah. one. Thank you as well for all your work. I listen to them avidly. All the fans things that people do, you know, the obsession with it is just fantastic. I love it. Um, and, and the, you know, I've sent a few out to our new American friends just so they can get a sense of what it means to everybody. So all opinions, whether it's about loyalty points, you know, we agree, we don't agree. It doesn't matter. It's all people that care about the club. And it's fantastic the stuff that you do, and and uh, Kevin as well. You know he comes on, and you know, you have your. It's always funny and interesting. I look forward to listening to it every <laughs> week. So it's brilliant. Keep keep going. Thanks very much. Good stuff. Okay, well that's that from Steve. Uh, we've got final one final part of the podcast where we look forward to the next couple of games. So join us in a bit. Hello, welcome back to the Five Year Plan Christmas Podcast. Hey, hey. fantastic. God bless us, everyone. Uh, <laughs> trifles, mince pies, what, Christmas trifles? Oh, caffeine's kicking in. Yeah. yeah, come on, hurry up. Okay, uh, we are sponsored by Vector Printing for all your printing embroidery needs. Go yeah, to vector.co.uk. And that's Vector with a K. K. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, coffee! Where's the coffee? Oh, God. Was it, is there eggnog in that? Um, and also, we Merry Christmas to Vector, everyone, and Merry Christmas to JCIS, our other sponsor, the global brand and research consultancy from South London. Visit jc-is.com. So Merry Christmas to our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, Merry, yeah, Christmas, yeah, John. Merry, Merry Christmas, John. Merry Christmas, John. And Vec. And Vec. And Vec. And Merry Christmas to our listeners. But before we Listener. say goodbye and wish you a Merry Christmas, we've got to talk about Palace's next two games. There'll be two Ooh. games before the next pod. Um, Bournemouth away 
and Swansea at home. Um, six points? Yes. yes. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I think the, I know a lot of people say, you know, Bournemouth reform, but we're, there's still a little, enough of a residual championship side in Palace to not go down to Bournemouth. We won't be swaggering down there, we'll be in fancy downs like other teams have done recently. And we'll play at, we'll play at the same sort of pace as they do. And I think their style of play, especially at home, is perfect for us, suits us really. So, and as I think the important thing is, as Ender said, we reached a stage where he'd be disappointed if we didn't. Mm, yeah. And Swansea are a very good footballing side, but they're really struggling mm-hmm. to, to, to get shots and goals and take chances. So <clears throat> I think, yeah, I'll, I'll sod it. I'm going to predict six points. Wow. That's very, very fast. I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy with four, but I want six. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, of course, the Bournemouth game gives us a chance to, to, to see the ghost of Christmas past, Glenn, very Glenn Murray again, doesn't it? And give, I'm sure he'll get a great welcome. Well, 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 I, I, funny, I actually had an, an actual dream. It's always fascinating listening Ooh, to people talk about, about Glenn Murray. Yes, but Ooh, really, no, I dreamt, Ooh, I dreamt, a sexy dream. It, I dreamt <laughs> that uh, on Sky Sports they went to Chris Kamara and he said Palace fans are cheering, but they're cheering for a Bournemouth goal because we were four 0 up and Glenn Murray scored right at the end. So it's gonna be four one. And yeah, and oh, the so it's gonna be four one. Yeah, and the Palace fans went mental because I think that that'd be the perfect I think they were, scenario. Yeah. Wow. Well, Glenn Murray will get a massive reception from yeah. If he, if he plays at all because he's got a bit of a knock isn't he but, he uh, played the other night didn't he, he came on didn't he, he came, came on he's been yeah, coming off the bench off, yeah. I think yeah. um, missed a couple of chances against United but it's good to see him playing um, yeah yeah. I mean we're in such a positive mood that very positive I, I don't yeah, think yeah. we've ever really predicted I'm not really sure we're going to have him goal though no, it's, going really, it's a really <laughs> tricky one. Who's going to be in goal? But it's, it's I don't just, know. It just depends. I don't know whether Ennis has been playing well enough. Really, to no, be in goal. Well, just compare, no. just compare it to the last two Boxing Days and the situation we're in. We don't need points. That's Simple true. as that. It would be annoying if we don't win, but we're yeah. not looking down below us. We're not. That's no, true. Yeah. And you think about yeah. how far we last Boxing Day. We were oh. so low, and look yeah. how far we've come in 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 well, literally one year. Literally one. Quite literally one year. It's huge. It's huge progress. And I think really, this it's like twelve months progress. Yeah. But this Christmas is also a time I think for Palace fans just to appreciate how far we've come and just enjoy about the fact that months, we've progressed. Yeah. <laughs> we've come about. We've come about fifty-two weeks. I reckon yeah. in the last year. Just give or take, give or yeah. take, give, yeah, yeah. give or take, a month. It's been about twelve. And whereas last last Boxing Day was the start of a new era, we're all not leaving. <laughs> and I prefer um, drunk enders to caffeine <laughs> But hats off to persistent JD though. He's like a little terrier. I have, you have to just not power, let you lie. He, he um, wouldn't let you lie, would he? He yeah. wouldn't let you lie, would he, Kev? Crack on JD. For um, God's sake. It was the start of a new era, era last time. Got a with, crowbar about that. With, I know, yeah. Um, with Warnock going and then Pardew eventually coming in. And it's the start of a new era this time with the investment, which actually we haven't actually mentioned all pod, which was confirmed this week. Oh, yes. That yeah. jo- uh, Josh Harrison, David Blitzer have... Uh, secured their investment in the club, eighteen percent each. Um, so again, this time this year, a start of a new era, new era, hopefully a very successful era for Palace. Yes, I think we we're, we're all all agreed on yeah, that. Though it's a positive, yeah. upbeat. Though. We are we are on the up and up. We've got a new stadium, on you know, at least a new main stand on the horizon. Mm. Um, yeah, so yes, lovely. All we need now is to get back to a claret blue kit, and I'll be perfectly yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, good all good yeah well folks that's kind of it it leaves me to say Merry Christmas to the three of you guys Merry oh, Christmas everybody. Merry Christmas to the one of you oh yeah Merry Christmas to you James. thanks man yeah. um, and we hope all our listeners have a fantastic Christmas whether you're listening to this before Christmas or on Christmas Day or please, please on the if you're listening to this on Christmas Day stop listening to it now yeah, yeah, yeah. well yeah right now because it's but, the yeah, end yeah. anyway oh, Christmas TV is pretty bad it's <laughs> a <laughs> fair point yeah 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 although I just see my cat looking over she always makes me laugh 
Merry well, Merry Christmas, Christmas to your cat. Merry Christmas, Puss. Um, <laughs> that's it. Merry Christmas, listeners. We'll be, we'll be back um, just before... 2016. We won't. Oh, no, no, we've got one more. One more before one the end more. of the year. Oh, yeah, just before... Um, yeah, just after Swansea. Is that 2015 or 2016? Because I've heard that New Year's Day can be either 2015 or 2016, depending on the year it's in. I don't, so, know, I don't know. Let me just take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> right. Merry Christmas, listeners. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. I wish it could be Christmas pod every day. No, I really don't. I really don't. Um, Merry Christmas and goodbye. Bye. Podcast Network.